Syracuse took down San Diego State 78-62 in the round of 64 to start the NCAA tournament. I'm Matt Bonaparte with Gil Gross for Fizz and Indy Day 3. Gil, what were your immediate takeaways from Syracuse's huge win? Oh, well, um, Buddy Beheim continues to be on a tear. And if, if you're going to oversimplify the season, and, and nothing is this simple in, in reality, but let's say for, for, this, for these purposes – we're going to try to put Syracuse's season into one singular thought. It would be Buddy Beheim was the problem until he became the solution. Over the first 11 games, he was under 30%. And in the last 11 games, now the last 12 games, he's at around like 38%. And it's made all the difference. And it, it, the same thing happened against San Diego State. I want to stress this, Bones. Syracuse did not start this game well at all. Sure. They did not, Syracuse did not defend. Syracuse was not getting any good movement or inside out action on offense. And only one player was keeping the orange in it, and it was Buddy Beheim. It would have been a 10 15 point game in favor of the Aztecs if Buddy did not come out the way he did. I agree 100%. And something I tweeted that I want your thoughts on. Is he the hottest player in college basketball right now? It sounds far-fetched and crazy, but is it? I mean, the guy's on fire. It's hard. You know, I don't want to speak for every single team, but is there a good chance he is? Yeah. And the thing is, is he's still not quite, and maybe it'll change after this game. You know, I was was kind of focused. I wasn't on Twitter much, and I don't know – how many people were kind of taking notice of what Buddy was doing. And, and you can speak to that. But he is yet to get the respect that he deserves. And part of that is because, you know, he, he wasn't amazing this season. He did he was playing below expectations for a large chunk of the season. But what he's done as of late, and honestly what he did last year, is definitely deserving of All-ACC honors. And he's gotten zip. I mean, he got All-ACC first, uh, first team in the tournament – but he hasn't ha- gotten a preseason or postseason All-ACC award yet. And he's way too good for that. Well, he talked about it uh, post-game at the ACC tournament, post-game today, that he didn't have a good regular season at the beginning. He was really struggling. He had a, a bout with COVID, so that pause didn't really help him. Uh, and he, he just didn't play very well. And he talked about the team as well, that they just weren't a very good basketball team. But now they've turned it around. He's become the heart and soul of this squad, the, the guy that – we all really hoped he was going to be, and, and now he runs this offense. He's your reliable shooter. Every time the ball leaves his hand, you're thinking it's going in. Does Buddy bring them to a win in the round of 32? Do you think that he is able to, to take this squad past West Virginia? Well, I definitely got to do some more digging on the Mountaineers. Right? Yeah, we'll and, do that and, tomorrow and, as well. Yeah, yeah. But right now, I think – Look, Syracuse has won four out of the last five games. I know that this is not a conventional Bob Huggins team. They have a lot of shooters, but they're not great defensively. And one thing that I know about West Virginia, and at this stage I'll admit it's not much, but I know that they give up open threes. And if you look at the, some of the more advanced metrics, they, they'll basically tell you, and again, I'll find specifics, uh, for tomorrow, but they basically tell you that West Virginia has gotten lucky this year with teams missing open threes. And right now the Orange are not missing any open threes, that's for sure. 
Matt Bonaparte and Gil Gross. Syracuse took down San Diego State 78-62 in the first round of the NCAA tournament. There were a couple of uh, absent performances, I'd say, from a couple of big names on this Syracuse team, namely Alan Griffin and Quincy Gary, both pretty quiet today. Are you worried about either of these guys? I think Alan is worth being worried about. Quincy, I agree. I don't think not Quincy quite as much. Yeah, I agree. But Alan Griffin went three halves without scoring, and I mean he did not. Obviously, he did not score in the Virginia game at the ACC tournament in Greensboro, and then he did not score. Wait, four halves. He didn't score in this game, correct? I don't have the box score in front okay, of me. Okay, I, I do, so it'll just take me a moment. Yeah, he did not score. He played oh. 15 minutes, zero points. Okay, Alan Griffin has now gone four halves of basketball in a row without scoring. Uh, and the good news is that Robert Braswell's playing well. And that, that's also part of why you know Griffin is now on a short leash, so to speak, that he wasn't on that at any point all season. Now, Griffin had a lot of leeway. And now it's, okay, well, look, Braswell's playing better defense, way better defense than Alan Griffin, and he's hitting threes. And is Alan really good enough off the dribble to warrant that you play him over Braswell right now? Not right now. Right now, Alan Griffin is not doing much at a better level than, than Braswell when you really look at it. I agree. Uh, I think Griffin has, you mentioned the leash. It really wasn't there earlier this season, but we saw him get taken out. He got yanked really, really quickly today. And Braswell came in for him. And, and talking about Braswell, that brings us to the conversation of the depth on this team. We saw Kadari Richmond just pull from three and just drain a couple of them. We saw Jesse Edwards play the best uh, halves of basketball he's ever played. And Braswell has been, has been great. He hit, hit a couple of huge shots, played some great defense like he always does. Well, where is this depth? How important is it to this team? And and do they need them all to perform it all the time? Or is it just one guy here and there? Well, the team changed. As soon as Jim Beheim started playing Jesse, honestly, the team, I, it's funny. I think that there's, there's almost three portions to the season. There was the portion where the starting five would play and that's it. And no one else would play. And then there's the portion of the team or, or the season where Kadari was getting more minutes than Joe. That was after the road game at NC State. And now we've reached the third part of the season where not only is Kadari playing, but you have Jesse and Braswell playing big minutes. And the more players who have played this season, the better the Orange have been. I mean, that's just clear and obvious. Jesse Edwards did a great job rebounding in there. Uh, San, Diego, San Diego State started the game and got a bunch of rebound, offensive rebounds, especially off threes. And Jesse really shored that up. And the Aztecs' big men did nothing. Mensa had five points. Um, and Tomajic, the backup, had two points. Yeah, I mean, the zone was stifling today. Not at the beginning, though. I mean, they yeah. were getting open threes. There were open looks here and there. Uh, and they were just missing. They were just ice cold. But... Eventually, the zone was very, very good, and I think it's really huge. It's a very important factor when talking about Syracuse and the NCAA tournament, talking about the zone and teams not seeing the zone. We heard Brian Dutcher talk last week about how he hadn't seen the zone all season. He said Air Force kind of played his zone against them, but it's not like playing against Syracuse's 2-3 zone. So that, that's got to play a huge factor, and, and Coach Beheim even said earlier this week that 
Syracuse often does better in tournaments because teams don't have a lot of time to uh, to research the zone. And, and we're going to see how well Bob Huggins' squad does against it. He's obviously was a big East coach back in the day, so he's played against it before. But how much of a difference do you think that made? Their inexperience, their unfamiliarity against the 2-3 zone today. Yeah, and, and just to add on to that, the first part, Beheim said it's generally a bigger advantage in the second game because now you have yeah. one of one day to prepare for the Syracuse zone. That's what West Virginia will be dealing with. But, yeah, I thought the 2-3 the worked to perfection in this game. San Diego State has never shot more than 30, uh, 32 three-point attempts in a game. And they shot 40. There was nothing inside. I was stunned. I mean, let's if I'm, if I'm zooming out, obviously when you have a blowout, it takes two to tango. And as well as Syracuse played, San Diego State really did not play well. And the biggest head-scratcher was Matt Mitchell in the first half just not going inside. I mean, just settling for triple threat face-up threes. And it was just so confounding that he was not in the middle of the zone. And basically, San Diego State was not playing inside-out. They are generally a good three-point shooter shooting team. But this is this is, again, this is... How padded were those stats by playing in the Mountain West? And obviously right now, it looks like they were padded quite a bit. Yeah, and this was a San Diego State team that hadn't lost a game in two months, only lost six games over the last two seasons. So you think about where they are in the Mountain West, and you think about where that compares in the competition of the ACC, I don't think it's very fair to compare them all that similarly. I mean – San Diego State was a great team last year. Malachi uh, Flynn was was leading them to great things. But Mountain West, at the end of the day, we saw the Utah State Aggies struggle today as well. I mean, it's not just this team. Um, 78-62, Syracuse took it. Um, The fans were in the building. That was the, the big thing that I noticed when I got into the game. I mean, they were roaring. Buddy Beheim hit a three, and it was like 30,000 fans in the dome. Uh, how did you see that impacting today's game? Well, I, I think it really helped Joe Girard. I just, I just thought he embraced it. His body language, he was getting the crowd going. He was engaging with them, especially on the defensive end. And then we saw towards the end of the first half, and Girard did cool off, but Girard hit three threes uh, in the first half. And they were big. They were clutch. They were kind of the ones that – really pulled Syracuse away. I believe some of them were with Buddy Beheim on the bench with two fouls in this opening half. So I just, I liked Syracuse's attitude. I felt that they, they did have obviously a, an advantage over San Diego State in terms of crowd support, but I felt like the Orange used it and played with that attitude. Yeah, I didn't expect to see so many San Diego State fans there. Obviously, we all know <laughs> or the orange faithful travels. So I was expecting to see plenty of orange shirts, but there were a lot of Aztec fans in the building and they were making a lot of noise, obviously not as much toward the end as their team was getting pummeled, but there were let's go orange chants and, and stomping and, and whatnot. I think that really helped the orange come out with the victory today. Uh, there's one thing that you want to see from this team going forward. What is it? Hmm. I still feel that Alan Griffin is by far the highest variance player on this team. 
So when people say, what's the X factor, you know, I don't think it's a Buddy Beheim. I don't think it's a Joe Girard because you kind of know what you're going to get from them right now, right? They, they've both been a, in a similar spot, as have Quincy Gary and Marek Dolezal. It's Alan Griffin who you just, you just don't know what the heck you're going to get out of him. And now two games in a row now, it's been really bottom rung. Um, and there's just no other way to put it. So what I want to see is I want to see Alan Griffin just kind of join the party here. Uh, that's, that's it. I mean, start to, start to play some, some useful minutes and use your offensive talent, your shooting capability, and you know, make some plays. I agree. I mean, the guy, he, he obviously, by his body language today as well, in the first half, he really didn't look all that pleased, and I can't blame him. Getting ganked is really not fun for anybody. But at the same time, I think this guy really wants to be the Michael Jordan of this team. He wants to be the number one when he just isn't. It's just not his role. And he's got to know his role here, and that's going to be the guy that plays defense and, and scores when he has to score. I mean, he's not going to have to put up 30 every night for this team to win. We all know that at this point it is Buddy Beheim's team. But, uh, you know, Alan Griffin's still trying to find his way onto the cup. Yeah, he's got to do some soul searching. I, I think that was well put uh, by you. You know, he, he really needs to probably readjust his mindset a little bit because it's not – things just are not clicking for him. Well, for Gil Gross, I'm Matt Bonaparte. We'll see you tomorrow for another FizzCast. It is Fizz in Indy.